90 for Chill, the podcast, proudly presents to you Ali's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. Uh, rather than do an interview with me, which would be fascinating, by the way, I thought that possibly I'd take you on a, you know, kind of a cultural tour of L.A. Look how he's painted the blouse, sort of translucent. You can just make out her breast underneath it. You know, when I see a painting like this, I must admit, I get a little emotionally erect. Gee, I'm done already, and I don't remember eating. What's his girlfriend's name? Sheila. 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 She's the one who's always kissing everyone hello. I hate that. I'm not kissing anyone hello anymore. How was I in the meeting? You were good. Any advice? Sure. Skipping. Skipping is the perfect compromise between running and walking. It looks too desperate if you run to a meeting. She's seeing someone else? Yes, yes. She's going away with him. Go, go away with me. I can't. Don't you see? I would just be using you to get even with her for going away with someone else. I don't mind. Let's go. Great. Steve Martin. Did you know that the same technology used to clean up the Alaskan oil spill can also suck fat from your thighs and chin? L.A. Story. I'll have a decaf coffee. I'll have a decaf espresso. I'll have a double decaf cappuccino. Jimmy decaffeinated coffee ice cream. I'll have a half double decaffeinated half cap with a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. Yeah, I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. And I've just completed watching L.A. Story, a Steve Martin penned film from 1991, starring a great cast, great cameos. I mean, you get Patrick Stewart doing a French accent and Rick Moranis doing Cockney. That's probably worth admission alone. I mean, then you got Chevy Chase, Woody Harrelson, just lots of people wanting to help Steve Martin try to pull off his, I guess you would say, Woody Allen type feature. The direction could have been a little more solid, but it's got some nice creative ideas, just a little too straightforward a narrative, I think, to really capture that vibe I get from Woody Allen. Granted, I still need to see a lot more of his films. I'm sorry, not apologetic for that one. For me, though, this this watch, I was more afraid that it was going to be a straight-up romantic comedy, and it is not. It's a fun little character study, and L.A.'s kind of perfect for that. Say Woody Allen celebrates the city of New York, while Steve Martin celebrates the people of L.A., because L.A. is just a bunch of transplants just wanting to be weird. At least that's what I've kind of perceived, and this kind of nails it home. But basically, it's a story about Steve Martin just feeling bored with his life, anxious about it. He likes to joke that he's had seven metaphorical heart attacks. So, the wacky weatherman, car breaks down on the freeway, and a sign just starts giving him advice, and he starts following it. And that's how things get rolling, where he pursues this British journalist who's writing a story about L.A. for the London Times, what have you fill in your paper there having a fling with Sarah Jessica Parker who I kind of miss the fun quirky Sarah Jessica Parker era so I guess maybe Hocus Pocus don't expect me to review that anytime soon I just went straight into the pseudo intellectual that was Carrie from Sex and the City and it's like yeah that got old fast for me the dialogue's very smart in this film which makes up for the which gives it that Woody Allen feel makes up for the narrative being straightforward after the 
uh, ball gets rolling from the sign on the freeway. I guess the most charming thing, though, is that, again, Steve Martin's script just captures so many different kind of styles of comedy. He even gets the English charm in there. Script-wise, it's damn near a masterpiece, and that's worth the admission. Hello there. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! And it's now time for 90 for Chill, the podcast's context warning this week. And I really can't think of too much offensive stuff since I don't have a guest to bounce things off of or let them go nuts with. But I will say this is going to be heaping a lot of praise probably on Woody Allen. So if you got that uh, woke attitude where you can't separate the artist from the art, then you might be disappointed. Otherwise, let's go on Allie's transatlantic horror trip. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. And thanks for coming back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. Russ Stevens might be the simpler way to find me on the internet. The letterbox account, CM Darth. The Twitter accounts, at CatBusRuss. And since I'm just giving that stuff out, let's go straight to it. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, send an email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. And offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. All you have to do is make sure the narrative stays under 100 minutes. That's 1 hour, 39 minutes, 59 seconds. So... If there's no stinger at the end of the credits, I will take it. So, sorry to make you do the research on runtimes. But this week, uh, as I said, I didn't have a guest. And I plan on making that up this week uh, with a podcast I never expected to do. But, hey, that's just the fun of things, I suppose. So, fingers crossed on that one. I've got to be ready for any kind of contingency. So, again... You got a movie you got to talk about now. Send me an email. So, otherwise, uh, just going back through Allie's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review, going through the library of DVDs she bought me. Only one of them this time was not an original purchase. It was actually a raffle prize at B-Fest. And, but otherwise, oh, well, I should say I'm going to throw in a review for It's My Party and I'll Die If I Want To. An uh, underappreciated a horror movie it's not art but a lot of potential so otherwise i hope you enjoy the show and if you do of course rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps five star reviews preferably if you want to talk of trash about the podcast that's what my twitter's for that's at cat bus russ at c-a-t-b-u-s-r-u-s-s so let's get to the show, and let me just thank Stacia Harden for being my inspiration and keeping this project going, and keep an eye on me and everyone else you touched in your life. So enjoy the show. Carol and I are going to go dancing. Dancing? Oh. We heard of a great place. Interested? 
No, 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 no. I, I, I don't want to be a killjoy, but I, I, I need to get a little fresh air. Not that late. Yeah, I'll probably end up going on another little hike tonight. Where'd Gil run off to? I've been walking around Paris. Where do you think Gil goes every night? He walks and gets ideas. Uh -huh. Why are you so dressed up? I was just doing a little writing. You dress up and put on cologne to write? Because you know how I think better in the shower and I get the, the positive ions going in there. I had a private detective follow him. And what happened? I don't know. The detective agency says the detective is missing. I'm in a very perplexing situation. And I've just concluded watching Midnight in Paris, the Woody Allen feature from 2011, about a screenwriter portrayed by Owen Wilson who's about to marry Rachel McAdams. And let me just say, Mean Girls, About Time... Midnight in Paris is blonde Rachel McAdams, the best Rachel McAdams. Just a query. He's feeling unsatisfied. He's trying to write a novel, get out of this being a Hollywood hack screenwriter, pen for hire. Just fed up with his fiance's just wanting to get everything in order. Republican parents, Kurt Fuller is excellent in it. With that said, No Holds Barred, Ghostbusters 2, The Miracle Mile, just other films with him. He decides to just go and wander Paris on his own. He's already in love with the city. And at midnight, every night, a car picks him up and he take, gets whooshed into the 1920s and starts taking the tutelage of Gertrude Stein, portrayed by Kathy Bates, Ernest Hemingway, Salvador Dali, that's an Adrian Brody cameo. Learns a lot about himself just through that, but he's also falling in love with Adriana. The actress portraying Adriana is uh, Marianne Coltier. Cultilard? Shoot, I don't speak French, and Lord knows the Paris in the 1920s probably isn't my my bag. But it's in the end, it's just a story about how we start realizing that we romanticize about the past, and that it had to have been better, regardless of the lack of antibiotics. I mean, I love 20th, 20s Americana, but I need drinks. So yeah, it's your typical Woody Allen, and it's kind of nice because it's... Actually, this time it's very reflective. He's Our character learns something. I can't really say, I mean, the entire point of Annie Hall is that I'm going to just focus on making things my way in the end, which probably makes Annie Hall a little better because he gets whimsical about it just at, at random. This is pretty much a straightforward fantasy uh, narrative. It's a lot of fun. The acting is solid all throughout, and Ernest Hemingway as a character because I don't know if it works well enough. You just gotta love a guy who just shouts out at a bar who wants to fight. Just a great artist movie for artists or aspiring ones. And I think we can all take something away from a movie that said in 2011 that tea, the Republican Tea Party is nothing but crypto-fascist arid zombies. And I'll end it at that. Hold on to your butts. Lieutenant, somebody called for you. Yeah, who? Guy with a strange voice. He said he called back. Sounded just like a duck. Like a duck. I gotta tell you something. It happened again tonight. You would never understand.
Our man likes to be noticed. Erotic and egotistical. And you can be quite sure that we're up against a very superior mind. And I've just rewatched the New York Ripper, a Fulci classic, dare I say. Uh, this is a film I actually saw probably about 10 years ago before I had smartphones distract me on Netflix before programming was the big deal, original programming. When I saw it back then, it was um, pretty disturbing. And this time it was easier to get through. It's about a serial killer in New York who's cutting women up, seeming sexually. It's sheer exploitation, and you almost just have to appreciate the creativity of some of the kills, like the bottle and sex club. So from a horror standpoint, if you just realize it's just a cheesy giallo, it's kind of, you know, fun to see what twisted minds can offer. Uh, definitely not for anybody of the faint of heart. There's only two male casualties in the movie. So yeah, it's a very chauvinistic film. As I say, it's sheer exploitation. The story runs pretty smoothly. It does kind of drag when we're trying to set up auxiliary characters who are just going to get whacked. Might drag there, but otherwise you're just kind of thinking this serial killer who constantly cops by speaking like Donald Duck, really what's his motive? And it builds up slowly and effectively, say like a Tenabra from Argento. It's a fine giallo, definitely one of the more vicious ones though. So unless you're a gore hound, you might want to avoid this one. This is your new home. It's a castle. It is a castle here. Hold it there. You okay? You a bit nervous? I feel like it's the first day of school. Great. I'm saying it's a bit difficult to explain, but our daughter wasn't alone. She was dragged away by kids. Hello! And I've just concluded Out of the Dark, starring Julia Stiles, Scott Speedman, and Stephen Ray. It's an environmental, paranormal horror movie, I suppose. It's not really scaring, very difficult to keep your attention. Just nothing exciting happens in the movie. It's a story about a couple, Speedman and Styles, moving to Columbia so that Styles can operate, be the GM of a paper company, or at least a paper plant. It ain't Duffler and Midland. She's Stephen Ray's uh, daughter, so, you know, a little nepotism on top of everything. As soon as they get there, um, it's about the time of the celebra celebration of the El Santo Nino, something along that, the Saint of the Nine Children, who were taken hostage by conquistadors and ended up being sacrificed, essentially. The locals didn't pay the ransom. So what happens is Stiles and Speedman's daughter gets attacked. Some kind of poisoning occurs, mercury poisoning, and 
somehow it all connects to events 20 years prior. Just a rather dull feature, as I say, there's nothing shocking, except some CG jump scares, which are not, you know, CG jump scares just don't work, I think, for the most part. Just very boring, doesn't keep your attention, and how the story pays off, it's really like a sudden redemption arc for a character who just wasn't really in the movie, so... Yeah, it's pretty much a waste of time, which is only, or at least further infuriating that it came from participant entertainment known for just producing environmental or meaningful films, socially meaningful films. These are the guys who gave you Green Book. Yes, they gave you Spotlight as well, but if that's, if you're going to green light and make money, you're going to have to do this cheap stuff and... I guess it's mostly a distribution deal because this was uh, Spanish-Colombian money. So, as I say, pretty dull affair. Welcome to Burkett Manor, ladies. A great place for a party. just revisited it's my party and i'll die if i want to i saw this originally back in 2009 2010 ish back when drunken zombie and peoria was using the then independent theater to uh do their double features so one newer movie at that time probably shot on low quality video and it can be a little ugly to watch just because of that, but it's a uh, pretty fast narrative about our hero, Sarah, who thinks everybody forgot about her birthday to only find out they're having a surprise party planned for her at the local murder house. You know, those happened 70 years prior, but I knew back from the first watch that this was a film with a lot of Tom Savini's makeup students behind it, which justifies his cameo. It just plays up all the tropes of your slasher movie with a little more of a paranormal vibe to it. So the makeup's good. Camera could lit thing, like the lighting is all over the place. So that's probably the biggest visual, visual detriment to the feature. But for what it is, which is just a student film, and this isn't exactly UCLA, these are a bunch of yinzas out in Western Pennsylvania. 
you take it for, you know, it play as I say, it plays up all the tropes. And it's very self-aware, so it's kind of got that Scream vibe, I suppose, while realizing that they're shooting on a shoestring budget. So, it's fun. I mean, it's not art or high art by any stretch of the imagination, and it makes me jealous that these guys could go and rally enough friends to make a movie while I can't get my movie made of the dead off the ground. But I digress. If you're just looking for something fun to watch, this could be it. Can I hear a wahoo?